doing a theme on the uh, book of Acts this month. I'd like to talk about the uh, Philippian church. The, uh, it's a wonderful church. Uh, if you look through the Bible, you see all the epistles that Paul wrote. Many of the epistles that were written were written to correct. To uh, One of the epistles they called Paul's was a severe epistle. It's pretty tough. And, uh, but, but some of the writing was, you know, it was always uh, dealt with issues. When you come to the book of Philippians, there's no correction. There's only encouragement. It's, they say it's the most uh, affectionate church that Paul had written about. The book of Philippians is full of affection. It's full of, of, of meaning and it's, it's just a, a wonderful book. Uh, we've got so much so many wonderful scriptures that, uh, that are in the book of Philippians. You know, one of, the, one of our regular, if you've ever done those, you know, who I am in Christ sheets and what we are and all the stuff you memorize, the memory scriptures, there would have been quite a lot of those that were taken out of Philippians. And um, so we look at Philippians. Uh, now, I have a map here. I think I have a map here. We've had a little bit of... Thank you, Michael, for all the effort you put into getting this map up. And I'm, I'm preaching this morning from the book of Maps, M-A-P-S. Now... On the electric Bibles you have today, you don't have a book of maps, but every old, every old King James and New King James, at the back, uh, and when you go through your index, it goes through all 66 books, and then it's got past the 66 books, comes up with maps. And uh, I've always liked maps, and I love, you know, I particularly like history. This is not a real good map, it's just an illustration, if we get it up, otherwise I'm going to have to describe it to you, it's going to make it a little bit more difficult. Are we doing any good? Keep talking? Illustrate. Well, uh, you see in the Acts chapter 13, we see that uh, um, the church uh, fasted, they prayed. There was a prophetic guy there and they prophesied and, and the Spirit of God said, release to me Paul and Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas went on their first mission trip. You find that in Acts chapter 13, they went, out, went right across and they, they left, um, <clears throat> they, they left, they went up to Antioch, from Antioch they went across to, right up into uh, the lower parts all through Cilicia, where Paul was born in Tarsus. Now, let me describe this. There's a long coastline down here on this side here, right? And we see Antioch up the top, and down halfway down there, you've got uh, uh, Caesarea. Then you, down up here, you've got Jerusalem over there. Okay, so it was up the top part. They left across here, and they went to Crete first. Okay, this is very difficult. <laughs> and uh, so from Crete, they went up to, into Cilicia. Um, Paul was born up there in Tarsus. He wasn't born in Israel, even though he studied there. He was a Jew. He was a Jewish person born. And you find right through this whole Middle East, this, uh, this region, that it was, uh, it was full of Jews. There were Jews, there were synagogues in every city and every town had become very much a main part of, of uh, social life. And uh, so we, we've got, uh, Paul goes up there. It's, it's amazing, on the first mission trip that uh, Paul went on, he, he went to, well, he was in Antioch. He went to uh, Lystra. Lystra was in, uh, in Galatia. The Galatians, uh, the Galatians were Celts. Galatia means uh, milk white. Milk white, that's what the name means. And it means they were Celts, okay? The same as the Irish and the French. They were Gauls, and they come from France. The Gauls, the Celts went to France, uh, went to Ireland, Irish, white, milk white. Here it is, everybody. <laughs> Always been jealous of your people for that night asking. And uh, anyway... <laughs> Dad should have married an Aboriginal or something. So anyway, <laughs> but the um, and so so the Lystra and Galatians. But the, there was an, uh, people in Lystra. There was a family there, and they had a church. They had a synagogue there where he went. He preached, and um, and in the first mission trip, they had a following, 
And there was a, um, there was a, there was a grandmother and a mother came there, Eunice and Lois, and Eunice being the mum of uh, Timothy. Timothy was there. And, uh, but it wasn't until, he, until his second trip that he came back and picked Timothy up. And there's a reason for all this, okay? And, uh, and, and it was too, it's just interesting how when Paul started his life, his whole mission life, there was two young guys that he picked up. Both were teenagers. One was Titus. He met him on the first mission trip, on the first missionary journey that he'd ever done with Barnabas. And uh, that's a historical fact, not in a biblical fact. Timothy was, and, uh, there was an, and he ended up travelling with, um, he travelled with Paul and became a secretary to Paul for quite a lot of years, went through all through his mission trips with him. But on the first one, uh, on the second trip, is when he, uh, he went back to Lystra and he, uh, he grabbed Timothy, picked Timothy up, and we don't have any maps, do we? Okay, all right. Okay, so he picked, um, he, he picked Timothy up and they were going into... Um, now, okay, here we go, here we go. Here's Galatia, all right? And right next to Galatia, after they left Lystra and they're going up through there, they're going into, into uh, Asia, okay? Now, Asia is this big country right over on the side here and it uh, borders, it's across the Korea, across the Asian from uh, Greece, Athens, all those places. And it's where the, if you look at the whole seven churches of Revelation, were in Asia. All seven were in Asia, which is modern-day Turkey. And uh, you, look at, you look at Ephesus was in Asia, uh, Pergamon, uh, Thyatria, um, Smyrna, and, uh, you know, and, and the whole seven churches were all there, and yet they, they were a major part of God's work and, and yet God, the Holy Spirit came and forbade them to go into Asia. So then the, above Galatia and also Asia was a place called Bithynia. Bith, 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 and so they're going to go to Bithynia and Pontus. And so when, when they, as they started to go there, the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go there neither. And so they, here they are. They're in a quandary. They're, they're walking across. They're going on a mission trip. They're going out preaching the gospel. But we can't go here. We want to go there. We can't go here. But we want to go there but you can't go there. And then, then, uh, then Paul gets a dream and he dreams about this Macedonian who comes to him and says, come over to us. And so Paul takes that, that's a sign from God, it's a dream from God. So he, he gets, gets the boys and off they go. And this is on the uh, second missionary trip. Uh, they didn't get there in the first one. And he travels across, takes Timothy with him. Timothy is a teenager and he takes him across to Philippi where he lands the first place, Philippi. Now, when you look at the book of Philippians, that's who it's written to, and Philippi was a, was a, pre- a predominant city in all of Macedonia, what was known as Macedonia. Macedonia sits above Greece, okay? And um, so they go to Philippi. Now, Philippi was, uh, was a very prosperous city. It had huge wealth. The only trouble is the Philippians didn't own it. You know, uh, they, they asked, uh, Philip was named after Philip Alexander the Great's dad, and they, they asked him to come down and help them because his other rogues were going to take over their country and possibly exterminate them. So uh, Philip comes in and says, yes, and uh, Philippi had a lot of gold. So uh, Philip was very happy with that idea. He came down and he took the city and, uh, and named it after himself as, and, uh, and, and it took all the wealth. The Romans came in and once there was a battle with Philippi. Anybody heard of the great battle of Philippi, Romans against Philippi? They leveled it, flattened it, destroyed the city, 160 BC. And uh, then they rebuilt the city as a Roman colony, a Roman city. So the whole area became Roman and uh, under Roman rule, but not only a Roman rule, but it was actually a Roman colony, not just under Roman uh, legislation. So we see that this is all interesting, isn't it? Are you following me? It's much easier with a map. Okay, so we've got this place called Philippi that has become a Roman, Roman city. 
and it's, it's ruled by Romans, and it's for Romans, and the Philippians, the natives, the Macedonians, okay, they, were not, they did not own the property. The property was taken from them. They, they were servants. They were slaves. They were, would, did anything. They worked for the people who owned all the land and owned all the gold and who the wealthy people were. So when you're looking at Philippians, when, when you look at the Macedonians, where it talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where they're deeply poor, they were deeply poor. They were terribly poor. And uh, when, you, when, the, when, when Paul said, when you think about it, there was 1,550 kilometres from Antioch where they took off from to go right up through there and get into Philippi. Now, getting, they stopped at about four places on the way through. They refreshed themselves. They preached. They went to the churches. But the churches that they'd already been to, they wanted to go to the Holy Spirit forbade them and, he's, and he, wanted, he took them straight over to Philippi. And, and I believe there's a reason for that. You know, when you, when you look at, um, at, at the Philippian church and you do look at the history of it, they were ripe for something that was new. They were looking, the Macedonians were, you know, they were empty. They were empty. And James says that God has chosen the, the, the poor of this world to be rich in faith. And these people, there was none poorer. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1 and onwards, it says and they were in their deep poverty. In their deep, it wasn't poverty, they were deep poverty. Now, if you look at our, our, our you might say there's poverty in Australia, but they had no welfare. They had no free medicine. They had no free pharmaceuticals. They had no free uh, transportation. They had no free housing. We have all that. They might be poor, but you could, they got a totally different concept of what poor is. If they don't have food, there's nowhere to get food. If you haven't got any money, there's nowhere to get money. And so, you know, these people here, when, they, when it says they were in deep poverty, they were in deep poverty. There was just absolutely nothing they could do to be able to change their circumstance or situation because, because of what ruled over them without a miracle, without something going on. They were stuck there in a servant-slave capacity, and that's where they lived. And when it's talking about the Philippians, and you know, and you'll see one thing in the book of Philippians that commends them for the Philippian generosity. You know, I'll tell you something. God bypassed all these affluent states. God bypassed the affluent cities. There's a great series on YouTube. You can see about the seven churches of Revelation in today and what they were like back in, back in the day. They were affluent cities. They were affluent trading posts. They had, they had all in abundance. They were, you know, it's Laodicea, for example. Laodicea was a place in Asia. It was in, the, in that same region. It's one of the seven churches. And it says, they said, you're rich. You have all things and you have need of nothing. That's what it was like. Many of them like that. And so they, they, God says to Paul, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. But he's taken us to the poorest of the poor. And he took them there and said, we'll start here. Because I believe there's something that they'll found that's more important than any money or any capacity to be able to fund their mission trips. And that was faith. Come on, he found the very first person he come to was Lydia. Lydia, Lydia from Theatra, Lydia who, who was a seller of purple in the, and she set up a house and bought a house and lived there. And she was living there and she found faith and they found it. She opened up her heart and God opened her heart up that she could believe. She opened her house up for them. And they went from the next thing was the, uh, they cast out this um, spirit that could tell the future, fortune teller. And uh, the owners got upset. They put him in jail. You know, say about the Roman law, don't be too concerned about governments, all right? They get caught up in conspiracy theories. You know, the Roman government was the most harshest, harshest government. They, they killed more Christians than anybody had done. They killed, they killed everybody. They, they were the people who executed Jesus Christ. They also were responsible for, they executed Paul. They executed Peter. They executed many, many Christians. 
what's the name, um, John G. Lake puts it down at 50 million. I don't think that's true, but there's an awful lot. <laughs> and uh, the Apian Way in Rome, they say when they go down the Apian Way, is that used to, which is quite a, quite a, a fair distance, I've been there, and uh, they, they had crosses on both sides all the way down with people hanging on them, being crucified. You know, if it wasn't for the Roman government, firstly, Jesus wouldn't have died by, by crucifixion. If it wasn't for the Roman government, Paul wouldn't have been able to go through all those lands that he did. You see, one thing about it, because of Roman law, and Rome, Rome was over that whole region, what it is is that they were subject to Roman law. Roman law did not allow them just to take him out and kill him. They managed it a few times, but Roman law forbade it. It was Roman law that got in the Philippian jail when he was put in there that, that got Paul out of jail. It was Roman law that, that saved him in Ephesus when they, were gonna, when they were going to kill him. It was Roman law that did that. And when they, they, they quieted the crowds and, and they referred back to, we're, we're, we're in deep trouble here if we continue with this. We can't take these people out. And, uh, and so that, there was something that God did for that whole region. Is this interesting today? And I say this is that the, Paul said there's no government. There's no government that God hasn't put there. And there's a lot of things that had to happen in that day and it needed that government of that day for that to happen. There's a lot of things that's going to happen in these last days. We're in the last days. It's, not, it's going to be a, a rough ride home, a glorious ride, but a rough ride. There's going to be some things that we'll not be happy with. But let's be at peace with that. Where were we? Back on Philippians. God chose the Philippians and God, he, he went right across the top. You look at the journey, hundreds and hundreds of kilometers get past all these wonderful rich people to go to a poor people. He found faith. And you see that the Philippian jailer got saved. They established a church in that, very, in that time. They established a church. Timothy was there. They went over to Thessalonica, uh, not a city nowhere near under the same uh, bondage or, or poverty as that were. And they went over there. They, he got kicked out of there. Paul had to leave. But he left behind Silas. He left behind um, Silas on the second trip and also Timothy. They stayed there and they stayed there preaching. And these young men, they, you know, they, 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 they preached. They preached right through that region. Luke also was from, uh, they say, was also from Antioch. Luke, the, who wrote the, the Bible. We see that, uh, we see these three guys, right? Which was uh, Titus. Titus traveled with him for years. Timothy traveled with him as well. They, they went through that whole region. They saw, you know, Paul was stoned and stoned to death three times, left for dead three times. He was shipwrecked five times. He was, he was, he was beaten. He was beaten. Uh, sorry, he was, um, what was the other thing he got? All those other things that he got. <laughs> many and, many and varied and wide. And these guys were with him. They saw it. They put tenacity into him. You know, every, everything that they did and everywhere they went. You know, for example... When they went through, uh, they went through uh, the whole of the Asia region eventually. And I think God was building like a fortress of faith, like little faith fortresses right around the area that he could come to and able to be able to pray and be able to pray. You know, Paul says in, in the book of Philippians, he, says that, he said that through your prayer, through your prayer, God will deliver me. Through your prayer, God will deliver me. That's what he said. And it was like he was building up these little faith centers where they could pray where, as he went out into, the, into these other regions. For example, Pergamon. Who's heard of Pergamon? Pergamon's one of the seven churches. It says, and he talked about, he said, I know where you are in Pergamon, where Satan's throne is. He said Pergamon in the Asian region, modern-day Turkey, was where Satan's throne is, where my faithful witness Antipas was martyred. You know how they martyred Antipas? 
It's how they martyred everybody in, in Pergamon. Pergamon was the, well, the altar of Zeus, the bull, the shape of the bull, the god Zeus, and the altar of Zeus, and they made it out of brass, a brass, a brass bull that was hollow. And they'd, uh, they'd hollow this hole, this brass thing out, and they put the victim inside the bull. They put the bull over, had a, had a fire under it with water and steam, and the steam would come up through the bull, and, uh, and with the, uh, as the victim would die, he would generally do that with a very loud noise, cry, scream, all that sort of stuff. And the bellows from the bull drove them crazy, all right? And that's how they, they died. They killed them like that. And that was the altar of Zeus. And, uh, it was the, and, he, and Jesus said himself, I know who you are where, where Satan's throne is. Now, now God, wants to build a, God wants to take this right through the whole no, this world, the known world, and, uh, but he says, let's just build some little fortresses first. I'll get some people praying. And, I, and Paul says back then, after they get this Philippian, there's faith. Come on, there's faith there. He says, through your prayer, God will deliver me. And he did. And he did, and he did, and he did. And uh, these guys, they learned that. They traveled with him. They traveled. They saw the hardship. They saw the, the beatings, the whippings. They saw this. They enjoyed it. They were part of it. I think it was awesome. And he taught them one thing, Tenacity. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But you will not quit and you won't give in. You know, we see that all the way through. Titus became uh, Paul's secretary. Timothy became his pastor, leader in Ephesus and established that whole region. Timothy started the church in Colossus, 100 miles, 160 kilometers from Ephesus. Timothy started that. He went out there and he, he didn't ever stop. He just kept working. He, was, he faced every adversity. They got him in the end. They got them both in the end. You know, killed him, martyred. I think martyrs, you know, I wouldn't be disappointed to get to heaven. How did you die? I was, uh, I was uh, beheaded. How did you die? Asi Smira had, had, um, had uh, malaria. He got malaria in, in the Solomon Islands, you know. We were over there preaching. And he came back with a really bad case of malaria. He said, there's one thing that kept me going. He said, I, was, I, was, I could see myself in heaven. I was talking to Peter. He told me about how he got crucified. And, they, and Peter would ask me, and Ashley, how did you die? Mosquito. <laughs> I got five minutes left. I haven't started my message yet. I, I, it's a maps that done it. All right. And um, but you know something about the Philippians? Let's turn your Bible to uh, not maps. Matter of fact. You don't have to be rich to be full of faith. You don't have to be just a seemingly tremendously successful to be used by God in a great capacity. And you don't have to be rich to give. And uh, one of the things that the, the, uh, this Philippian church, one thing they were known for was their giving. I should have it here. And I'm going to read it to you. Philippians chapter 4, and uh, we'll pick it up, 4, 8, 4, 6, you know, be anxious for nothing, but everything with prayer, supplication, all those wonderful scriptures, and uh, 4, 8, you know, meditate on these things, these are wonderful scriptures we should learn, and uh, okay, so verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, for now at last your care for me has flourished again, and though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in, in regard to need, for I have learnt that in whatever state I am to be content. And uh, 
and I know how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and hungry, both in abound to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, what's this here? No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even when I went to Thessalonica, a city much more wealthy, that we're talking about the people here who are impoverished, in deep poverty. They not only gave him money when he was there, they sent money to him even when he was in a, 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 more be, a better off city because I want to tell you, sometimes the most affluent people are the most stingiest people. Sometimes they've got no room for others, no room for God. All they've got is their, their, you know, their stuff that they need. And, and uh, the Macedonians, the, the poor, come here and says, you even sent money. You're the only church. There were churches everywhere, but you were the only one that ever sent money. And you sent it for the help of the gospel. And... Uh, and for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again, not just once. And not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds for your account. And indeed, I have all and abound, but I am full, having, and, and so on and so on. And verse 19, which how many times we've quoted that? Clark Taylor said he built, he built, uh, he built um, Christian Albury Center on Philippians 4.19. And my God is able to supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. And, you know, and that scripture, that promise that we've quoted was given and was given to the Philippians because of their generosity in a state where they couldn't. You know, if we, let's, before we finish here, let's just go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 to 4. And moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, okay, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality or their giving. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgence that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering of the saints. Now, as Titus was, Titus was a secretary to Paul, he traveled with Paul, and uh, two young boys, great boys, and uh, when, when, when Corinth was in Greece, was having difficulty, Paul sent Titus over there to look after the church and to bring it back to order. This was after his first letter. The first letter was a little bit disturbing to him. There's a little bit of fallout there, and Paul sent Titus, uh, 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 Titus over there to sort of settle it down. Now, Titus is only a young fella. He goes out there with all these guys here, and he brings order. And then this is, uh, this is what, in 2 Corinthians verse 7, and uh, 8, 7. So we urged Titus, as he was going over there, that he, as he had begun, he would also complete this grace in you, as well, this letter is to the Corinthians, but as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you also abound in this grace also. The NIV calls it this grace of giving. Titus was going to have a directify and fix stuff up. They said to Titus, Titus, we're going to tell you about this incredible grace that God gave the Macedonian church. That in their deep poverty, their deep poverty, they were, they were abounding, they were free. The grace, God assigned it to the grace that he gave them. There was open, there was room for that to, to, to come into their life. And what I want from you, what I want from you, Corinthians, is what the Philippians have. And he set it up as a benchmark and he set it up as, as, a, as a role model in a sense. He set it up there that they could look at it and say, look at this. And Paul could look at it with pride, with pride. And he could look at them and say, look at that. That's the mark. That's the mark. And it says that uh, as much as you have all these other stuff in your, in your church and in your life, I want you to make sure that you've got this grace as well. Not sacrifice, not sacrificial giving, but the grace of giving. The grace is the empowerment. The grace empowers you when you have no money. 
to be able to give. The grace empowers you. That grace is everything that is still there for us today. Come on, the grace of God is there for you. And if you, if you struggle with giving, then turn your heart to God and receive a mighty grace. Come on, that grace has got capacity. Now, you know what it says here in verse 10? It says here that you're about the, uh, the Philippians. Sorry, back to the Philippians. It says that they, 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 but he said, there was a time that you were lacking in your giving. But, you have, but it started again when you have flourished. So we see that there was a deep time of poverty. They gave, and after that, they became well off. History says the Philippian church became a powerful, uh, sorry, the Philippi became a powerful Christian center where Christianity flourished and the people flourished. And I think there's a lesson for us in this here, and it's a lesson that, uh, you know, no matter what it is we have, what it is we are seeking about, what it is, but to be able to take on what they had, and that's faith, and, and put, put the work of God above our own need. Easy for you to say, Dave. It is. It is easy for me to say. Do it all the time. But you know what? There's a grace for it. And that grace is what we're asking God today. And uh, we ask God right now that that grace of giving, the grace of what the Philippian church had, the bench, the role model, the benchmark, that that would be our benchmark. It, it's, it's what we look to. It's, what God, it's the standards. It's the gold standard of Christianity. Is It's generosity and that there's a giving spirit, a grace of giving, that we would have it in our house, that you'd have it in your lives. You know, there's, uh, there's so many scriptures about giving, and uh, we're out of time, but, you know, there's thousands of scriptures. There's 2,000 references to giving to the poor alone and how God would bless. And God, we just thank you that, God, that this is a giving church, that, God, we're, we're mindful of the work of God, the, the gospel. The gospel will be you know, go out from this place. Whatever it is, whatever it is, we can help and we can be a part of that. God, we honor you today in Jesus' name.